The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club, because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the last red side of the Trent preview of the season where Forest will head down to Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park for the final day of the season. Fortunately, Forest will have no sweat to wipe from their foreheads as they beat Arsenal, obviously, in the last game week, which we covered in our last pod. I'm delighted to welcome Twitter royalty in all, in all honesty. I don't know how, how you'll feel about that, Dan, but it's Dan Cook from HLTCO, which obviously is also known as Hopking Looking to Curl One. Dan, how are you? I'm very good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, we've just literally just t- spoke before we recorded this, and uh, you, you were on about Palace relegating teams, and uh, it's quite nice that I think a good 3,000 Forest fans are going to go down in beach wearing fancy dress, although I wouldn't recommend it in this bloody heat wave at the moment we're getting. <laughs> No, um, well, you know, I think. Go on. I uh, just wanted to. Well, no, you 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 carry on. I, I was going to just ask you a, a question about Palace, obviously, because that's what we're here for. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I was only I was only going to quickly say that you know it's quite nice for us to sort of have safety having been secured so long before. There, there's a lot of players going into Sunday that we may well, from a Palace perspective, never see again. Like today we've found out that James McArthur. And Luka Milivojevic are both leaving at the end of the season. Obviously, the Wilfred Zaha thing still up in the air. So, and Roy Hodgson, who's obviously coming on an interim basis, is, is you know potentially not going to be with us next season either. So, it's going to be quite an emotional day for Palace fans. But at least we don't have you know the prospect of, of potentially relegating you thrown in. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that is a a nice one. I mean, I'm I'm so glad we got the job done last week by hook or crook, as I like to say, and. I mean, having 18% possession against Arsenal and still winning 1-0, I mean, who cares how much possession you have as long as there's only one important start. But let's get into Palace, uh, Dan. I just wanted to ask you about how, how you think your season's gone. Obviously, it's been maybe underwhelming to begin with and then actually picked up 
when you re when you got Hodgson back in, um, what what have you made of it overall? It's been a bit of a, a roller coaster. Um, you know, you look at the sort of the the media narrative around Patrick Vieira is quite an interesting thing, really, from from an insider's point of view, because. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how much you or other Forest fans listening to this have, have paid attention to it, but when we decided to part ways with Patrick Vieira, there were a lot of people saying that we did it too early, that he'd had an incredibly hard run of games and that it was a more uh, favourable fixture list coming up. And then, you know, the form picked up when Roy Hodgson arrived and all of a sudden you've got people saying, well, Vieira would have done this anyway. But, you know, as much as we pretty much had played the entire top half in the first three months of 2023, the, the confidence was just gone. You know, I think we were the only team in Europe's top divisions to have not won a game. We weren't having shots. We weren't scoring goals. Eze was in and out of the team. Uh, and Roy Hodgson's come back in. And whether or not you put it solely down to his presence or whether it's just a bit of things coming together, the, the confidence has come back. We're, you know, winning games and, and we've secured safety with a hell of a lot of room to spare. So uh, overall, the season has been a bit underwhelming, but the last two months-ish have been have been fantastic as a Palace fan, just sort of seeing a manager come back in and, and have such a positive impact after it, like we might be sliding into a relegation battle. Yeah, I mean, there was, what, nine teams involved at one point, I thought. And then and obviously I've seen Palace's form just before they sacked Vieira. I mean, that kind of, it, it says a lot though to someone who might be a, uh, a manager coming in that there is a lot to work with. I mean, you've got a hell of a lot of good young players. I mean, I always liked the look of Mark Gurhey when he was at Swansea. I thought he was terrific in the championship before he went to Paris. I thought that was a cracking move. Obviously, Eze, Elise, Zaha, we're not sure about, but that's a, a three uh, three players there that can can win any game of football by in the Premier League, as far as I'm concerned. And then you've just got to add bits and bobs to it. And and Palace, I would like to think you could push with the right manager and the right recruitment, you push towards Europe and shut Brighton fans up because I've seen some videos of them <laughs> slagging you off. I mean, but yeah. So what 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 if, if obviously if well Hudson's going to go, who who's the ideal man? Because obviously. From from a forest perspective, I've heard obviously Steve Cooper's name been mentioned, and I think we we uh, I think the meme of uh, I think it, it's from uh, this is England of um, oh what yeah, I Stephen forgot, Graham I forgot, I forgot Graham what Steve Graham Stephen Graham shame. plays, but he's got the machete and he's like hands off yeah <laughs> I yeah, yeah that's, I've that's seen one. that yeah <laughs> well I, I said this the other day it's, it's quite I mean I don't know whether forest fans feel the same way as I do, but from from the outside looking in, it always appears to me as though media-wise and in terms of what you hear, there's a bit of uncertainty over whether or not Steve Cooper is the right long-term man. But if you speak to Forest fans on an individual basis, there seems to be a real affection and respect for what Steve Cooper has done. And I've always found that quite a sort of strange juxtaposition because I think he's a fantastic coach. You know, you look at what he's done with you, taking you from the foot of the championship, getting promoted. And even though you've had that huge overhaul of players, keeping you up, you know, is a very, very solid achievement. So, you know, I, I rate Steve Cooper, but I, I don't imagine that he would particularly want to explore a move to Palace if there is still faith in him from the Forest hierarchy. I mean, I would like to think there is because they wouldn't have gave him a new deal after Leicester. I mean, that was a 
a mental one. I heard that. Yeah, the four get, nil, wasn't it? Yeah, I heard that get mentioned on on your episode on the ripple effect of James Orcott. So I mean, mm. that, that that is actually something I actually put to James Orcott on Twitter. And it, I mean, but someone obviously beat me to the punch. But I think that it, it's it's a weird one because obviously with Maranakis, he's such a sacking sort of person. Like in Olympiacos, I think they've had three or four managers this season alone, and they didn't win the. I don't mm. think they won the league this season. Weird, which is like the first time in like since he's took over there. So I think the fear was always, oh, we're going to start doing poorly after spending so much money. And Cooper's going to go, yeah, and Cooper's going to go. But hopefully, we build in the we build us in the summer. Maybe not have such a huge turnaround of players because we don't we don't need it. We need a few players here and there, and then and then we can kind mm. of look to to mid table for next season and, and carry on building. So that's an interesting one um, regarding. Palace as well, like with with Wilfred Zaha. Obviously, you touched on him with, with his contract and stuff. What what are the the murmurs there in the on the Palace Palace timeline? Well, it's, it's it's very difficult to get a, a distinct handle on exactly how things lie behind the scenes because I think it's been well documented. You know, we've offered him a four year contract, two hundred thousand pounds a week, and and you will have you know, plenty of people from a neutral perspective saying it's total suicide. And from a financial point of view, if you are a neutral, I totally understand that. But I think, you know, I've said this plenty of times on my podcast and on Twitter over the years, trying to explain to an outsider what Wilfred Zaha means to Crystal Palace, not just from a week-to-week basis on the pitch, but his whole aura and, you know, what he represents to South London. It's just, it's an impossible thing to, to fully quantify so I, I have no issue with us offering him that. If you look at it from a financial point of view as well, you know, Luka Milivojevic has left today. He was on 70 grand a week, I think, maybe 65. So his sort of wage pretty much goes to making up the shortfall compared to what Wilf is on now. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's no guarantee that he's leaving or staying yet. I don't actually believe that he has made his mind up. Obviously, we are at a point where you know, you're reaching an end game with it, but I don't think the club have had any formal indication from him about exactly what he wants to do. And ultimately, it's going to be a decision for him that is either taking a huge amount of money, you know, £10 million a year for the next four years, setting himself and his family up forever, or taking that jump and, and trying to play at a higher level. And I don't think any Crystal Palace fan would begrudge him if he decides to do that. You know, it would be to his financial detriment. But at the same time, if that's what he wants to do and he wants to go and play in Europe and try and win titles, then, you know, I don't think any Crystal Palace fan would wish him ill anyway. Hmm. I mean, he's he's been such a, like, stalwart for, for Palace. Every time you kind of think of Palace, especially in the modern uh, game, you kind of think Wilf, Wilf Zaha. And I mean, I remember when he was ruled out for our game <clears throat> and we hadn't confirmed safety. It was all, every Forest fan was, had their pessimistic hat on and was like, well, we're not going to beat Arsenal. Like we might draw at, at the best. And then we go to Palace last game. Oh, no Zaha. Oh, great. But then they actually, everyone forgets about Eze and Elise, Mateta, are you to an extent, which is which is a bit bit disrespectful because I think Eze is a marvelous player, Elise as well. I mean, mm. I did want to ask you about Michael Elise because he is a character, isn't he? I mean, that, that goal he scored against West Ham at the interview after was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Michael's a strange one, you know. Because as far as I'm aware, Michael refuses to celebrate goals unless they are to put you in front. 
that, right. that that's his view on it. Because of course he scored a, a free kick to equalise against Manchester United, pretty mm. much the last kick barring in in front of the Homestyle win, and didn't celebrate. And and people they get their knickers in a twist about it a bit. And I understand it from a neutral point of view. It's it's odd to see, but it's just the way Michael is. You know, he is very uh, driven and very uh, straight down the line. You know, I, I would imagine, I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine there is uh, a hope from an England perspective that he might end up playing for the full England side. But as far as I can tell, he's sort of got his mind focused on playing for France. And I wouldn't even put it past him for Gareth Southgate to sort of approach him now and for him to say, no, nah, I'm all right, I'll wait for France, thanks. Because he's just that way. Mm. Um, so, I mean, Palace fans love him, but also I think we're well aware that he doesn't have the same level of loyalty to the club that someone like Wilfred Zaha does. You know, it, it seems a bit, I suppose, negative to say that we are a stepping stone to him, but he's that good that he will go on and play for a Bayern Munich, a PSG, a, a Manchester United. He he just has that in his future because his ceiling is so incredibly high and he's still obviously so young. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, he's, he's normally a, an FM wonder kid. Like, you see him end up at being at, like, a, one of the top elite clubs all the time. And, I mean, obviously, that's not – it's not real, but it do, it's not far off in no. in terms of accuracy either. But, I mean, it it kind of leads me into my next question because I, I do want to talk about Aberich. He's, he's obviously been announced in the England squad for the upcoming – uh, mm. Games for the Euros, which is which is really good. I mean, he he's been in terrific form. But I I remember you posting a video on Twitter, I believe it was, which was like a bit of a behind the scenes at Palace of Elise and Eze, like their friendship, yeah, yeah. like them playing table tennis. <laughs> I just thought yeah, they they they've got a great relationship, the two of them. Yeah, but yeah, as as a so in England, I think I think that's deserved. Really, I mean, definitely deserved uh, over the likes. Of, I mean, I, I don't I know Jordan Henderson's in there for his his leadership and everything and but like someone like I don't know how Conor Gallagher's got in there because I, I watched him against Forrest the other week at Chelsea and he was garbage by all all, all I'm, mm-hmm. I'm accounted for but as he's a lovely player what, what have you made of his season because obviously he's just come back from injury hasn't he this season I believe well so he got so it's quite it's quite difficult for people to get the timeline because obviously you know you're focusing on your own club and it's the way it goes but his first year with Palace was actually Roy Hodgson's last season in charge. Mm. And obviously, Roy's last year, the age profile of our squad was quite a lot older. Uh, we were a more defensively set up side then. But he still flourished and had moments of pure brilliance. He then got that Achilles injury at the back end of that season. He was actually on the verge of an England call-up then, but got the injury and, and didn't make it into the England squad. Uh, was coming back from that injury in Vieira's first season. Uh, but then... This season, under Vieira, for whatever reason, he was in and out of the team. He wasn't affecting things quite as much. And I wouldn't say he was stagnating, but he certainly wasn't hitting the heights you would hope he would. Uh, but since Roy Hodgson has come back in, you know, I think he's got six goals since Roy returned, which is obviously fantastic for a number 10. Um, and just he's just a, a beautiful footballer. You know, he glides across the pitch. He doesn't run. And he's got sneaky pace. You know, you don't think he's necessarily rapid. But he'll just accelerate away from his man. Uh, the goal we scored, the first uh, goal away at Fulham last weekend, he picks the ball up and just sort of jinks inside his covering marker, advances the ball up the pitch and then plays a lovely threaded through ball for Edward. And it just looks like the most simple thing in the world for him. And, you know, stuff that 
footballers would love to be able to do, he can just do as if it's slipping a car into second gear. So, you know, he's, he's very much deserving of his England call-up as far as I'm concerned. And I'm sure uh, he will fit right in there. I don't think there will be any sort of issue about him playing up to the level necessary to, to get in and amongst that England squad and, and in the starting lineup. really. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I I think it's nice that someone, I mean, it's not, I don't want to disrespect Crystal Palace in any form, shape or form because they've been a, mainstay of the Premier League for a long long time but it's just nice to see a player that's not playing for like the standard big six or big seven or what mm. you're going to call it now Newcastle's involved and, and and Southgate is looking at other players I mean I think there's a lot of disappointed Forest fans that Morgan Gibbs why didn't get in but it, it, it people have just realised that the under-21s have got a tournament this summer and he's the captain so it kind of makes sense for him to maybe go away and from, do an, that. from an overall depth perspective yeah yeah 100% I mean I, I would like to think Morgan Gibbs White might if he has a season like he had towards the end of this year and then and push on next season then then that will come for him. But I did want to ask you about next season. Obviously, you're not sure what where you're going to go manager wise, or has there been a is there a bit of a shortlist? Is it, is, I think have I seen Ar- Arnie Slot has been mentioned. I think I think you mentioned it actually this morning to be I, honest. But I, what, well, so so I mentioned him a couple of what was like a couple of weeks back, three or four weeks back, he was being tentatively linked with a potential move to Palace. This morning, he's being quite a strongly linked with a move to Spurs. Um, Obviously, he's won the league with with Feyenoord um, Mm. in Holland. Um, But it's difficult, you know, because you look look at Palace, we have a a very, you mentioned it at the start of this pod, you know, the players we've got at our disposal, even someone like a Czech Decore, a fantastic footballer, you know, someone that's really come in and flourished in that defensive midfield role. And I think an upwardly mobile coach would probably look at the squad we've got and look at the tune that Roy Hodgson has got out of it and say that he could probably do the same. But at the moment, we are sort of in that limbo period where a coach like Slot, for example, would either stay at Feyenoord or go to a club of Spurs stature. And that, you know, it puts us a little bit on the back foot. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if Steve Parrish and the rest of the Palace hierarchy opt to try and keep Roy Hodgson around for another 12 months, not not just because, you know, he's a safe pair of hands, but also from my perspective, he, he's promoted Paddy McCarthy to the first team coaching staff from the 21s. Paddy has been around the club for a long time, was previously captain and was part of the team that, that kept us up in 2010 when we were in administration and deducted 10 points. So, you know, he's part of the furniture, really. Uh, but his work with the under 21 since we got Category 1 status as an academy has been fantastic. And I think the long-term project for Palace, really, is to try and integrate as many 
academy graduates into the first team as possible and, and sort of use that as our USP and our differentiator compared to the rest of the Premier League because we're the best one in the world. You know, we don't have a fan base that's the same as West Ham's or Everton's or Leeds or even Forest. You know, we, we have to cut our cloth accordingly. And given the fact that we're in South London and we've got such a an untapped resource in, in the talent that exists across South London, I think that Paddy McCarthy may well be the long-term succession plan after 12 more months of working under Roy Hodgson, or at least that's how I am choosing to see the potential blueprint if that's what the club go and do. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a worry in terms of Forest because uh, the head of development there in Gara Brazil and, and Warren Joyce, who's the under-18s manager, guided the team to an FA Youth Cup final for the first time, I think, in, in our history. Their, 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 their contracts are, are up in the air and there's been no word of them getting a, re, a kind of a renewal. And the worry is, is Gary Brazil pretty much single-handedly kept Forest afloat at one point by by producing academy players that we sold for for big profit. I mean, like Matty Cash, Ali Burke, and Arvin Apai and Ben Brereton are like the ones that spring mm. to mind very very recently for for decent money as well. So, it, I think the academy is such a big thing. I mean, I watched the Channel Four series on Palace's uh academy from like the young from the real real yeah, young, yeah. young kids to to the under 16s under 18s and i really really enjoyed it i really enjoyed seeing that um that side to 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 a football club and how well, it's it's such a tough tough like job to get into i mean because ev- everyone wants to do it so i think i think steve parish has really invested well i think it was the one Bissaka money i'm pretty sure he mentions it actually in in the documentary that that's what basically yeah. built him the facility which is i think is good that's what something you need to do i believe so i'll be interested to see what kind of next superstar comes in i don't know if you have you watched the rio ferdinand thing uh, south of the river that's really yeah, interesting south as well yeah, that was the thing on bt sport wasn't it it was so so interesting and like like you say, it's such an untapped market, and like how many players in the Premier League? I think if they did like a South London t- like team, 11, it would it yeah. would it wouldn't go it wouldn't go well, wrong in the Premier League to be honest. So I mean, I was I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, and I don't know. I mean, I I've not spent any time in Nottingham, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. But when I, when I tell you that cages and cage football is mm. just everywhere, every estate's got a cage, every park's got a cage, and you know that in itself is a huge part of it because lads that are growing up in estates, they want to play football and they have a place to do it. But the style of football that you cultivate playing cage football is different to an organised 11 aside where, you know, the rules are there and, you know, your officials are making sure it's a lot more raw and aggressive. And I think that in itself encourages skill, it encourages that level of resilience. And obviously with the Category 1 Academy, they get top class coaching, they've got top class facilities and it all just sort of meshes together. So, you know, there's there's a huge number of very talented young footballers across South London, and previously they would have been poached by the likes of your Chelsea's or your Arsenal's or your Tottenham's. But now, with the pathway to the first team and, and the quality of the facilities we've got, then we become you know front of the queue for all of them. I mean, Ruben Loftus Cheek and, and Conor Gallagher, obviously both uh, Chelsea loanees to us in recent years. They grew up in, I think it was, um, well, Conor's definitely from Epsom, which is pretty much. Palace territory uh, and I think Ruben was Lewisham so they're, they're both very close to the Selhurst Park postcode uh, and you know in a, in a different time they could easily have been on our books rather than going to Chelsea at all Yeah I mean we, we do have the cages in Nottingham but I don't think as much as uh, what it is down in South London but I mean the, the, the one scary thing and like the, the damaging thing is is like 
lads who have got academy gear on are like almost it's almost like a stab vest which is unfortunate down there it's like it's like the ultimate respect oh you play football like we won't we won't touch you because you're trying to get out of out of the the the, the ruins of 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 those south london areas unfortunately and that's just the 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 sad reality of, of of the life we live in unfortunately but Next season, uh, Dan, where where do you want to see Palace head? Like, what what sort of like transfer uh, summer do you want to have? And and where do you want to see? Like, where would you say your number one priority is, other than potentially a long term manager? But if if Hodgson stays for twelve months, then then obviously, you've, which you've already touched on, I, I think we need we definitely need another right back. Uh, we brought in Nathan Ferguson uh, three years ago now, with the intention of him being the long term successor to. Uh, Aaron Wambasaka, but unfortunately, following his move from West Brom, he has been pretty much injured the entire time. It's been a, a real tale of woe for him, um, and I, I mean that genuinely. Like he's had one or two appearances in three years because every time he gets back, he ends up having a, a relapse. Uh, so we've had Nathaniel Klein and Joel Ward sort of holding down the fort, and both of them, you know, great servants to the club, but they're not getting any younger. And I'm sure we will look to uh, get a permanent new right back in. It wouldn't surprise me if we go and try and get a backup on the left as well, because Tyreek Mitchell is pretty much our only uh, first team out and out left back. Um, with the likes of uh, James MacArthur and, and Luka Milivojevic, as I mentioned earlier, leaving the football club at the end of this season, I would imagine we will be in the market for at least one, if not two, uh, central midfielders and possibly another front man as well. Because, uh, you know, as much as Edward and Mateta have done a passable job, Everyone dreams of having that 15 to 20 goal a season striker that you can hang your hat on. So if, if I was to nail down sort of three or four positions, they would be uh, the ones I'd choose, really. I think Kyle Walker-Peters is going to have a few few phone calls yeah. this summer because I think he, he, he's, he's someone that I wouldn't mind at Forest. I thought he was superb for Southampton in, in, in the game, especially at, at um, St Mary's this season that I was seeing. But uh, just touching on our game, obviously it's not got... There's, there's nothing to kind of shout about other than then we're both going to be playing each other again next season it's it's an unfortunate one that it didn't happen like during the middle of the season because I think with our away support and your home support I think the atmosphere would have been top notch I mean it will be good because it'll be a party atmosphere from our perspective so I would argue I would argue that it will be quite a good day I mean I'm not sure I'm not sure what the weather's like but it's very (laughs) rare it's very rare in Premier League football that you've got two fan bases that don't hate each other, mm. that have nothing riding on a game particularly. And whilst, of course, you're desperate to win, we're desperate to win. I don't think, I mean, obviously, I, I can't say someone might break someone's leg in the second minute and then it all becomes <laughs> very, very testy. But as long as it's just a, a well-played, well-spirited game, we had a, a final game of the season a couple of years back. I think it was 5-3 it ended up in our favour against Bournemouth. Uh, and it was just... It was like a free-for-all, if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah. uh, but of course, you know, we, we're going to have the parade round the pitch at the end. I don't know whether Forest fans will stay for that, but I think the Palace fans will be in a very uh, positive place, looking to sort of pay their respects to the players that are leaving and, and thanking Roy Hodgson. I mean, the Wilfred Zaha situation, we're not going to know whether or not he's staying unless he decides to do the whole Leonardo DiCaprio grabbing the mic. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see. If he does, seen, seen if he does that, there won't be a, there won't be a dry eye in the house. But <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just going to be a quite emotional day for Palace fans, and I'm sure you know Forest fans. I don't want to speak for you, but getting into the Premier League in such unlikely circumstances and, and keeping yourselves afloat, like you said, it's party atmosphere as well. So I think 
as much as you don't want to guarantee these things, it's probably as pleasant a Premier League atmosphere as you're ever going to get. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think the reverse fixture, I mean, it was just before the World Cup, if I remember rightly, and we won 1-0, yeah. Zaha missed a penalty, which I was... I couldn't believe it, yeah. But, I mean, it was such a drab game, to be honest. I think It was terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's a bit more like your game last week, where you, I think it was 2-2 on it against Fulham. Uh, so Yeah, I think it will be, because the players we've got now under Roy, they just enjoy playing. And, you know, because it's the last game, everyone's going to want to go out of a little bit of a flourish. I, I mm. just I just sort of see it as a good game for the neutral to watch with nothing really riding on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think our shackles will definitely be off. I mean, this might be the game where we have, have like, the most possession we've had this season, maybe, like, 30% or something, <laughs> rather than, <laughs> like, 20. I mean, I I don't know about, about any past seasons in Palace, but I can't imagine Palace ever, ever sitting back too much, apart from when they play, like, the real big teams, but well, we've no, played we, like the most counteracting football I think you'll ever imagine. On the Roy, we did. We we once um we once beat Brighton two one away, and we had two touches in their box. I mean, that's that's all you need. <laughs> so you know, I mean, we we are capable of doing that. We just we just don't do it now because we've got too many good players in the middle of the park, which is a lovely dilemma. So yeah, I did obviously because because you, you cover a lot of football on on your podcast on your Patreon and and all that. What I did want to get your opinion on on Forest as a whole because obviously everyone's had their say with how many signs we've made, uh, how much we spent on Morgan Gibbs White, how much Jesse Lingard's weekly out outlay was, etc. What what have you actually made of? Forest from from a neutral perspective, I am um, I always sort of I say I stuck up for you, but I felt like over the summer there was a lot made of, of you know the number of players that came in, but it needed to happen. You know, from mm. my perspective, I looked at the loan players that you had the previous campaign that obviously weren't there anymore. Jed Spence being the headline grabber, uh, and you know, in order for you to be a competent Premier League squad, you were going to need to to have a bit of a scattergun approach and, and get as many bodies as you did over the line, whether or not you should have paid Jesse Lingard the wages you did, you know, that's all lost in the sands of time, really. In relation to Morgan Gibbs-White, I will hold my hands up and say that I thought it was a very steep price at the time. Mm. However, you know, you look at his performances and his dynamism in that Forest team, it, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily already proven to be value for money, but I think the way he is bought into what Steve Cooper wants from him and the way that the Forest fans have taken to him, if he stays with you and, and keeps on doing the business for another three or four years, no one will be questioning that transfer fee at all. You know, I think at the moment you're still going to get a few detractors given how much was spent. But as I say, if he does the business and keeps you in the Premier League for another two or three years, it's, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping Coventry or Luton, depending which one comes up, kind of takes all the attention away from us for a summer. Um, yeah, because I do, will. I do think it might be. I think there'll be a bit more of an exodus rather than an income for Forest because we've got a lot of Deadwood. I mean, I think everyone wants to drive John Joe Shelby as far away as possible <laughs> potentially. But well, from a financial fair play perspective, you're surely going to have to do a fair bit of of getting rid in order yeah, to be able to I bring think... anyone in. Well, I think uh, Harry Arter had a clause in his contract when he signed for us uh, when Chris Hewitt was manager that if Forrest went up, his wage doubled and he hasn't played for us. I don't even remember the last time he played for us. The last game he actually played was for Notts County uh, last know, he's season. St he's, still he's still there now. He will be released this summer, thankfully. So, yeah. So, so he's just been picking up double the money for nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, what a, what a holiday. Um, <laughs> yeah, what what uh, I know I know it doesn't really matter, but I do want to get a score prediction out of you, Dan. I, I can't, I can't. I've said this all season long. Whenever I've done these, I can't come on to podcasts. I, I especially can't predict us to lose. I'll, I'll say, I'll say four three to Palace. There you go. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, I said actually, we'd 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 rotate and lose three two. I mean, that's because I just I, think I just be think a, it's going to be a, a goal basketball game. Exactly. Yeah. I I just think it's going to be that way. I know, but I'll take that because that'll be fun. I mean, you might we might see a different side to Forest for that we're seeing this season. From well, given your away form back. this season, I think you score three goals, you'll be relatively happy. I think, yeah, well, I mean, we 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 picked up again after I think after the Liverpool away game, I think we started to realise that we can actually play against the better teams. Like we can actually get <laughs> Avenger into their half and actually have a go here and there. So I think that's kind of a bit of a turning point at the end of our season. So that was that was nice, but. Thank you very much for coming on, Dan. I really appreciate it. I know, no I know you're a very, very busy man uh, with everything that you do on Twitter. But so if anyone hasn't seen you on Twitter, I, I, they must be living under a rock. But um, it's just a HLTCO, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. on there get, getting stick from all sorts of different fan bases every day. It's, I know. I don't. Good. I don't know what. I don't know why you get so much. Hey, it's. Back was a bit of violin out, man. It's Twitter. It's Twitter. It's I know. Of, Full of horrible bastards, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But no, thank you very much, uh, Dan. Uh, hopefully, talk to you next season. I hope, well, you, I mean, you will, you'll yeah. still be around, and I'll happily come on. So, it's all good. Nice one, cheers for that. And no worries, mate. Home on you, Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport powered by fans. The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You in? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.